Welcome to the Middle Tech Podcast, this region's leading business podcast, shining a light on technology, entrepreneurship, and the future of business in Kentucky and beyond. Our goal is to advance the ecosystem by bringing attention to the founders, change makers, innovators, and those supporting them. Middle Tech's content can be found on your favorite podcast streaming app, social channels, and YouTube. We encourage you to follow and participate in the conversation. Let's discuss and build the future. Welcome back to the Miltech Podcast. You've got Evan Knowles and Logan Jones here. Esports is a very fast-growing sector of, I would say, the economy, but the sports industry as a whole. Uh, and we got to sat down with the person in charge of esports at UK. Uh, this all happened because we saw a TikTok that went very viral uh, online, and we were amazed to see that it was uh, on UK's campus. Uh, it was a TikTok highlighting their esports arena and esports facility on campus that has a ton of gaming PCs, consoles, and, a, and an arena. Uh, and it was just really cool to see that happening in Lexington, Kentucky. So we had to sit down with the person uh, responsible and kind of running that program. And UK has really dove pretty deeply into this emerging sport. Uh, so it was a great conversation with Heath to, to hear you know, what they're doing about it. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have seen this brand new facility on UK's campus. It's right on the corner of Avenue of Champions uh, and Limestone. So right across the street from um, what used to be the old the alumni gym. Yeah, the alumni gym. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so they've got this awesome new facility there. It's got a brewery right beside it. So they've got Ethereal in there. And then on the first floor of that, they've got this awesome facility. Um, so as you drive past, take a look at that because there's a lot of really cool stuff going on over there. And our discussion with Heath was centered around, you know, to start, what what even is esports? You know, you think of gaming, and we're hearing all this buzz around esports and the competition side of gaming. Uh, so we really dove into what is this industry in the first place, and and why has it grown so much? And you know, obviously, UK has invested very heavily into this. So we talked a lot about what UK is actually doing in this space. So we talked about the leadership at UK, uh, how progressive they've actually been, and uh, going out and making all of this happen. Um, a lot of the conversation also centered around how this is fostering community. And I think that's something that is a, a big takeaway for me from this conversation is, you know, esports and gaming has the ability to unite people from across the, across the globe. So the fact that uh, universities are seeing that and investing into that for their students, uh, what that tells me is that they're signaling to that entire gaming community that uh, they value them and that they want to support them and, and invest into them. So I think that's super cool that UK is doing that and all that they're doing in the space. Uh, so we talk about all of that, how it fosters the community, and also where UK and the space are heading into the future. So this was an awesome conversation with Heath. I uh, really enjoyed sitting down with him, and we're excited for you guys to listen to this conversation. Before we dive in, like always, we're just going to get a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Land Betterment. Land Betterment is doing some incredible work throughout Appalachia and Eastern Kentucky as they are taking abandoned strip mines and putting sustainable businesses in their place. These businesses not only provide a useful repurposing of the land, but they also provide great jobs to replace the mining jobs that were lost when the mine was shut down. To learn more about Land Betterment, you can listen to our interview with their founders, Mark Jensen and Kirk Taylor, on episode 97 or visit their website at landbetterment.com. 
We're also sponsored by Airwing Ventures. Airwing helps determined entrepreneurs seeking resources to grow with capital and connections in order to build successful companies and impactful legacies. They're all about high growth companies, high growth careers, and high growth communities. I've personally known Dan Beldy for about four years now, and I've seen the work he's been doing in the community, and we should all feel very blessed and grateful that a VC like himself is here in Kentucky. I encourage you to connect with Airwing and learn more. Let's all grow this state together. You can reach out to Dan at info at airwing.vc or dan at airwing.vc, and their website is www.airwing.vc. This is going to be a very fun conversation about an emerging topic that has, uh, believe it or not, some relevance here in Kentucky. Uh, we're going to talk about esports with Heath Price, who's the associate CIO at the University of Kentucky. So he is very involved in a lot of the technology decisions that happen at UK, and he's been really involved with the esports program that they're putting in place. Uh, so we're looking forward to talking about this because I've been following esports for a few years and I've watched it grown from my time at. Fuji uh, to now, it's really exploded, and it's uh, it's a lot. There's a lot of money flowing into it, and a lot of young people are getting involved, and a lot of young people are finding opportunity and just having fun in that space. So it's going to be a cool conversation. So off the top here, I kind of want to do things a little different. You know, normally we start with people's background, uh, but let's test something out here. I want to start with the topic. Uh, what what is esports, and what excites you about it? Yeah, absolutely. It's great to be here. Thanks, Evan. It's good to get to visit. You know. Um, We've been kind of asking the same question for the last couple of years. What is esports? And I, I think one of the right off the top, one of the ways I would answer it is I do think it's got different meanings to different groups. So as we um, as we led into this, uh, we've been very fortunate in, in one uh, key cornerstone element of how we've approached esports, and that is executive leadership at the University of Kentucky really challenged us to go out and learn as much as we could about the industry about what was happening not only in higher education, but what was happening, to your point, it's popular. It's it's a global yeah. environment, right, of, as you might it's like define. It's almost a phenomenon that's and just happened. It's, it's just, ha- it's just yeah. And, and in some parts of the world, it's been happening for decades. Yeah. You know? And so I can get into that more in a minute. But the way that we have really come to define it is esports um, is a great buzzword that really, for us, encapsulates the broader gaming right? Cultures that are out there. Um, and, and as we have tried to define like, okay, well, what kind of gaming is happening on campus? Well, that's really an easy conversation, right? Because you don't have to ask too far. You don't want, you know, you can look uh, into the student population and pretty quickly find students that say, well, I game. Uh, they might not call themselves a gamer, yeah. but, right? They're, they're playing. So I think as we um, kind of approach the word esports, we, we really tried to zoom out a little bit more and, and talk about what is happening in gaming and then what are these different pockets of student interests that exist across a population of over 25,000 undergrads and uh, other students, graduate students and otherwise, right, that make up our, our campus student population. Yeah, and after leadership, uh, kind of instructed to research more into esports. Yeah. What were some of the next steps? Because now we've got this beautiful new facility right. uh, on campus. So start telling us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, fortunately, this really kicked off pre-COVID. So um, 
President Eli Capilouto, who's president of the University of Kentucky, um, was a member of the NCAA's Board of Governors. In that participation and uh, the meetings that he would attend, he actually listened to some of the consulting that the NCAA got on this topic. So specifically on esports as a competitive environment and how that relates to colleges and universities, uh, he was a part of hearing some of the findings that they were uh, digging up back in 2018, middle of 2018, and in taking in all that information and kind of weighing it out, uh, President Capilouto came back to the campus and told his executive leadership team, I'm not sure what the NCAA is going to do, but one thing I've learned from all this information is a lot is happening with our students, and we might not know about it. So that was a really great, right? When, you, when, when somebody of that stature brings that back to an executive leadership team, uh, for somebody in my role, right, that's very empowering because that team of uh, Dr. Kirsten Turner, Dr. Eric Monday, provost, others, right, when they kind of turn to then our teams and say, go learn, let's go figure out more about this, that, that's very empowering. So some of the earliest steps that we were able to take were really pretty obvious. First of which, right, was we went to Facebook and Discord and a couple other spots and tried to find the students. Like, where are they? Where are the voices? That was easy. Uh, they were pretty quick to respond. Uh, matter of fact, I mean, the first conversation, they were like, you know, nobody's ever asked us what we're doing. And it's, it's like, all right, great. Do you, do you, <laughs> do you want us to know? It's like, you know, do you really, do you want to share? And uh, they were, they were really fun kind of early conversations of, yeah, we've been, we've been kind of scraping by on this, but look what we've built. And obviously, you know, uh, from a student perspective, what they had done, organizing events, participating in tournaments, getting teams kind of organized under a single group, let's say, so under a bigger esports club, because there are a lot of games, as we'll talk about here, um, was really impressive. They had done a lot of great work. So, so that was number one. The second thing is pre-COVID, we were traveling. So we were able to get out. If we would go to an event or a conference, we would go find the university or college in that area, might be doing something in esports. Uh, or game and, and video games. Likewise, um, if we could get to a venue or get around somebody in the profession, maybe it's a you know a publisher, maybe it's uh, just companies that are trying to navigate the space, we would do that as well. So it worked out well. When, when we would be places, uh, I know one in particular, we were out uh, in Seattle at the University of Washington, and we were at an event for Amazon. It was an AWS event. It was over two days. And we took a drive over to the campus and it was, you know, easy, right? You reach out. Oh, yeah, we're, we got somebody. Let's connect you with them. They offered to meet us. We went and walked around their facility, spent a little time, listened to what they were doing. And the facility you see today on our campus in Cornerstone, the UK Federal Credit Union Esports Lounge, that has really been made up of the learnings that we got to do and kind of the imagining, right, that we could bring back to the campus and create some space. So students and then those those experiences and relationships. Yeah, paint, paint the picture of the space. So without yeah. somebody being able to look at it right now, right? What, how would you verbally describe it to them? So, you know, it, I, what I would say is it's, it's a, a multi-purpose facility that is targeted on uh, gaming both competitively and within kind of the broader communities. So we, we have, I think, a little bit of the best of both worlds. We have a theater space that our students tend to refer to as the arena. I call it a theater because it seats between about 85 and 100, right? And non-COVID times. We can have a really good uh, audience there. We have an amazing direct view, big LED screen you might see in like a, you know, in an arena. So we've got really good uh, AV in the space. 
that space can host all the way up to 6v6 with an audience watching right. Uh, right behind that are some team rooms. So the teams can practice, they can prep, they can come out into that environment, right, and compete. So we've got that from a competitive uh, level. And we envision that being spaces, space that's really useful to UK students and community here. It's also something we hope will attract other events, right, and maybe bring people to our campus that otherwise might not might not come. Likewise, we've got on the other side of that space, we've got a couple thousand square feet that is our land center. So we've got high-powered gaming PCs and machines there that are available. Um, we've got over 40 that are available on a daily basis during the hours that we're open, which right now is typically uh, early afternoon to late evening. It's kind of been where our hours have trended because we think that, right, that gaming community tends to play a little later in the day. Um, and then we've got consoles set up. So right now we've got, you know, the the Xbox, the PlayStation, the Switch, and inviting in kind of those communities as well because there is some crossover, but then there are some games, right, that only exist on a Switch and you're not going to find on the a real, PC. The real gamers are on the PC, though, right? Is that the, kind of the, the way it works? Oh, you careful. Know, it's fighting words. Well, well I, know, I, know, I know. I know. The PCs obviously have the best, you know, GPUs and things of that nature. They do. So they, they tend to gravitate towards PC, they, PC right? They, they have, yeah. And, and you know, for games, um, maybe it's League of Legends. Um, maybe it's a, a game like Overwatch or Call of Duty, right? And some of these very competitive leagues. Yeah, the, the higher the power, the lower the latency, the yeah. better the performance. <laughs> And, yeah, you um, can sometimes I think you can tell, like if you're playing Warzone on Call of Duty, you can tell which ones are on the PC and which one are on Xbox because sometimes because they're just on such a different level. Absolutely. And it's one of the best compliments um, that our team in Cornerstone's gotten so far is wow, come over. We, we can feel that uh, they, they use these terms. Uh, one of them's ping. The ping is so, yeah. is so good. <laughs> you know, I, I'm noticing my game has improved because I'm just able to pivot. That that's you know millisecond faster than the than the competitive TikTok, players. So. There was a TikTok that came out of all those PCs that's that right. just like blew up, right? That's right. That it was did. pretty yeah. cool. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was a pretty cool thing. Um, it's it's amazing how social can blow up for a space like that. Absolutely. And before we dig too much deeper into yeah. the facility and all the things you guys are doing with that, I uh, would love to hear a little bit about your role at UK and uh, the role that you're playing in bringing esports to campus and how your background has prepared you for that. Sure. Yeah. So um, I've been at UK actually four four years this week. So I got oh, here in June of 2017. Um, you know, my role within our organization of, of IT um, is I, I really get to be external facing within our group. So, right, there's a lot that happens within the IT world that's about infrastructure, whether that's network, cybersecurity, you know, an active directory that runs all your email, um, uh, our SAP system, which runs all of our records for the campus. I mean, we have a lot of infrastructure that teams are responsible for. Um, I'm a part of a group um, and, and have been a part of leading these smart campus initiatives where there's a little bit more of us going out from IT into our campus, into populations, you know, it might be colleges and departments, it might be student populations like this, um, that provide opportunities for uh, collaboration and provide opportunities. I, I used the word community earlier, right? Technology is such a a key component of all of our lives now, right? And it really drives a lot of our experiences. So, right, how are we on our campus trying to leverage that technology to create better experiences for our students? And I do think in looking back, we've been fortunate to have the opportunity to look at esports and video games to really dig into this category and start to understand it because it's moving fast and uh, nobody is there's no silver bullet or, or right answer. It's really about, right, how can you grow? 
within your own community and build it. So, you know, my background being in and around higher ed, uh, I grew up at LSU in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, um, and have done a lot on campus in some of those external roles. And then likewise, I've been in Atlanta a few times working for uh, agencies that were in kind of the licensing, branding, sports marketing world. So, and, and really a lot of that was uh, uh, college, university related. So kind of being around that periphery, seeing a lot of how collegiate athletics has, in my experience, exploded in the last 25 years. Being able to witness some of that and see it is a, is a pretty interesting parallel to think about, not necessarily where, again, esports is in college today, but maybe where it could be, right, in another 15 to 20 years. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, a lot of your role is, <clears throat> like you said, helping improve the experience of students using technology. Yeah. So what kind of results are you seeing with students that are participating in the esports? What, how is it, in, you know, enhancing their college experience? What are some outcomes? You know, uh, it's a good question. It's early, what I would say. We opened in November, mm -hmm. and uh, right out of the gate, um, we said, you know, the, the experience was not ideal. COVID mm -hmm. has really limited some of the abilities we had to get foot traffic. So we really weren't able to, um, to open and have students coming in on a consistent basis until the latter part of March. Now, as we've been able to do that right now, we've got um, uh, students showing up. And in, in some cases right now, because it's summertime, um, you know, we're seeing even like faculty or staff have their kids on campus, right? And so they're popping in and coming and hanging out. Um, I think early on, one of the coolest things we've seen is uh, that UK has a lot of really talented people around. And, that, and the students, I would say, are kind of at the top of the list. So opportunities, whether it's, you know, some of the gameplay but also opportunities behind the camera, streaming and casting, you know, doing things like this, speaking to audiences about a game, talking about what's kind of happening in the industry, seeing students plug into that, get involved, and then kind of it takes on a life of its own, right? Their, their talents kind of take over has been a really, really cool experience. So getting, getting to see some of those early on has been fun. I think they're, they're really good um, blueprints for things we want to do as we come back into the semester in 2021. Yeah, and I think something that I've kind of been thinking on as we since we talked the first time at Panera actually is to me it seems like you're signaling to this new community or not even new community, community that's existed that yeah. that UK hears them and cares about them and sure. wants to invest in them through these programs. And I know one of the things you got that we talked about the first time we got together was uh creating a pipeline yeah. for this new and emerging industry, not only if you're competing in it, but all of the different career paths that you can take into esports as well. So touch on that for a little bit about what you guys are doing to, to foster that pipeline. Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, um, I would say that when we think about the competition, we, we really do want to give the students the resources, right? We want to help prepare them. We want to give them maybe some of the opportunities to join leagues, compete in some of these games. League of Legends is a great example because we have a student population that's into that game. Rocket League's another. Right. So we do want to help them in that. Um, but we, right now, early on, we really view a lot of that as that's a student's opportunity to go out there and, and compete. Right. We are trying to find ways to build programming, uh, hopefully build relationships. I, I was talking earlier about colleges. So different colleges having varying interests on the topic of gaming and maybe a little more specifically certain Right, colleges might have some interest in esports, but a lot of that's a little bit broader and just the the genre of gaming. How do we right work and collaborate with some of those faculty? Maybe there are co-curricular opportunities to create those pipelines and those paths. So one of the ways that we've approached that, 
um, in, in not only building the relationships on campus, but it's also to find some partners that can help us. And Jin G, um, who is, you know, a, a, a global corporation, uh, they are an esports organization at their heart, but they're very involved in education. They're very involved in expanding kind of opportunities for people that want to be in gaming and have that interest. Um, they've been a really important partner for us early on as we've tried to define what is some of that both programming and then where are some of those pipelines for, for opportunities? So we've seen some of those, again, kind of start to trickle as students have been able to learn about the space and as we're getting a little bit more uh, visibility. But I think that for us, uh, creating that, that, that pipeline, I think that can mean a lot of different things as we go along and we continue to learn more and we survey more of what's happening in that interest. At lunch, we talked about an example of Destin Bell. Yes. We'll give George, that example on here George, as well. George sure is a, yeah, you know, he'd love to get a shout out. I know, George, I was, Dustin. I, I swear every time, some different. I don't know what he time. goes by. <laughs> I, I call him George Bell because I like to. I, the first time we met, I brought him a, a baseball card of the old Blue Jay uh, uh, baseball player George Bell. I always joke with him. You know, he's like a he's like a pro star. Um, <laughs> uh, I, so I call him George. But yeah, the, I was holding back on that. But George is is a great example. Um, we uh, right out of the gate in COVID. Um, many of our plans for that spring in 2020 kind of got shelved, right? In person was, was not going to be able to happen the way that we wanted. And so we quickly pivoted because it was right around um, the March-April timeframe uh, to an event we called Hoops at Home. So we did an online NBA 2K tournament and uh, got the opportunity to invite UK students. Then we also invited alumni. We invited uh, what we called future students. We had a bracket for, hey, if you think you might come to UK one day, fill up this bracket and come and compete. And then, uh, and then we had an opportunity to also just invite kind of that, what we might call broader Big Blue Nation, because we're a basketball, right? We're a basketball powerhouse and blue chip basketball fan. So um, in, in doing that, we created the event itself with Gen G in a tournament format. We, one of the things we really wanted to do because we couldn't be in person was stream it. So we wanted to put it on Twitch and we wanted to have students really leading that to the extent, you know, we could pull them in and get them involved. And so uh, funniest thing, I knew George, I knew he was a, a big NBA fan, but it comes to find, come, come to realize I had no idea how big of a fan he was because um, we actually invited him to come and cast on the first night of the tournament. And uh, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty amazing how it all turned out because we had all these players competing. We were streaming a number of the contests as the night went on. And George is on there talking about the players, um, talking about the teams, referring to their records, their history, their backgrounds. And uh, we had a few people from Gen G, and Gen G has an NBA 2K team. They have professionals that do this every day. They're very well versed on the NBA. We had some of their team texting us that evening and saying, we don't know where you found this guy, but he's the most knowledgeable person about the NBA we've ever heard. And we got to get him doing more stuff. And since then, he's actually got some really cool things going. Not only is he an entrepreneur building his own businesses, but he's been doing some uh, streaming, casting, uh, social content creation for the NBA, doing it for some other brands out there that are really into the NBA 2K League. And, and I think, you know, that, that is, uh, I'm not saying it's a dime a dozen. I mean, George is a, is a, is a really awesome guy. But I do think those types of opportunities are plentiful. And there are a lot of people out there in this space that are trying to create experiences. They're trying to create those events. And, you know, it's not all about the people that are playing. You know, the people that are behind the scenes or, 
you know, um, uh, in some examples, right, people that are doing, maybe it's things like HR, doing the accounting. I mean, Blizzard Activision out in California has people that do that work. Um, we have some, we have a network uh, uh, person who used to work at UK that now runs the one of the network operators for Blizzard out in, out in uh, California, out in yeah. Irvine. So, yeah. you know, these jobs behind the scenes exist and think kind of seeing how George navigated that and those opportunities he's gotten, which he earned, um, has been a really cool example of more of what we want to do. Yeah, that is, that is so awesome. And one of the reasons there's so many opportunities is because this is just such a gigantic industry right now and it's growing like crazy. Yeah. So give try to give us an idea of how big this industry is. If you have any numbers or stats you could throw yeah. out there. Yeah. So one of the reasons why I, I, um, I love the word esports because it's been such a great buzzword for us. It's mm-hmm. been really, really helpful as we've talked about this. But when I say we're, we're kind of paying attention to what's happening in gaming, I mean that because gamers in, in the broadest sense are many times people that don't identify as gamers. People that are playing right on their mobile devices more and more that are playing casually with their friends on, you know, maybe they're just playing on a, on, on a switch and that's the only device they ever play on. What we're seeing more and more is right. There are a lot of gamers across a lot of different games. So when I, when we, when our team is surveyed, when I look at gaming today, you're talking about a category that's over $160 billion, right? As a, as a, a, a larger at large uh, gaming category. When we talk about esports, we're just over a billion dollars, right? So there, when, when folks say esports is going to grow a lot, they're looking at the bigger gamer number spent 160 million and saying, well, if esports is only a billion, there's a lot of room to grow. And I I do think that's true. I think as, uh, as, as leagues are developing in esports, they're being driven by the publishers. And so the publishers who have a vested interest in selling the game also, right. Have a vested interest in creating competitions that they can control, right. That they can hopefully grow, sell sponsors, sell teams, which is what Gen G did, right. They bought teams in certain leagues and, uh, and there are opportunities there for, for that revenue growth. But, you know, the cycle's got to really come back to the consumer, the consumer watching it, the consumer taking it in, certainly buying the game, but then right. Wanting to put their money in the middle of the table for merchandise or sporting sponsors and, and other things like that. So that, that for us, that, that broader gaming sector is just really, really interesting because when we say that our graduates might see this as a as a field they want to go in. I think that broader gaming category is really it's there's that's where the the lion's share of the opportunities are out there in the space. I think uh, one of the reasons it's grown so fast and just has always been a part of society is because everybody has access to it. Yes, you don't have to have a physical or physique to play. You know, esports. That's true. That's you don't true. have to be a great athlete to play. You know, esports like you would have to be for college basketball yeah you know everybody has access to it i think that's why it's such a massive industry and everybody can resonate with it or at least play Mm -hmm. their own corner of it yes Uh, you mentioned publishers you've already talked about activision and and blizzard Uh, what are some other publishers that are really putting out you know great games and creating these ecosystems yeah so uh, because i didn't fully answer your question maybe just a quick segue when we think about where the the um the the I'd say the birthplace of esports has happened, right? If we go back a number of decades now, a lot of that really was born out of what was happening in South Korea. So there were games, StarCraft being one of them, there right were games that were were growing in popularity where they were starting to be played online. This is even back to the to the nineties. 
um, where competition started being born out of that. And then right now, if you go to Seoul, South Korea, and you watch these competitions, they're most they're Kevin Durant's, uh, their Hardens, their you know Embiid's are gamers, right? And some of their most popular people in those communities are the gamers that play for teams, playing a game like League of Legends competitively, right? So I think it's really interesting when, when we've kind of mapped that to where the United States is right now, I think Riot is maybe the best example of why we would sit here today and say, wow, this industry's really industry's really got some momentum. It's really growing. Because when Riot built the 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 game um uh, from from the ground up, when they built League of Legends, they built it as a competitive game that would be played in community. They didn't just build a game and toss it out there and say, all right, let's see if it clicks. And if it clicks, we'll go build a league. They had leagues and competition worldwide in mind when they built the game. And as that game has grown, now it's uh, that, that game right now worldwide is over 100 million monthly active users, unique. Okay. So when you think about the populations that are playing that game and the way that they've been able to build that, uh, that game from a competition standpoint, um, with that perspective in mind from early on, they have, um, inevitably then created some amazing communities, loyal fans, right? People that, that love the game and, and people that are into the genre, into the, uh, the stories and the lore and maybe don't even play the game that much, but really like, right, the stories that are told, the personalities. Um, maybe that's the gamer personalities, but it also might be the the character personalities that are captured inside that game. So I think Riot and what they've done in, in looking at competition as they built that game from the beginning is a pretty awesome example. And I think there's somebody that um, is likely to have a bigger and bigger impact on what's happening here in the States as esports continues to grow. Yeah, Epic is another one. They've got or or um, uh, yeah, Epic yeah, and Epic. Fortnite. Yeah, right. So yeah. that's that's another big one that's growing really fast. Um, a lot of people are looking at that and saying, could this be like the metaverse mm-hmm. you know, a version of it? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting discussion once they take that on to VR, which surely Absolutely. they're already working on that. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask. You know, with any emerging, you know, technology or industry, there's going to be people that, you know, look down on it or have skepticism or look at it as something that's unhealthy. Sure. And I think, you know, when I was younger, my parent, my, my parents, and especially a lot of my friends' parents would look at video games and say, you know, I'm not okay with my kid, you know, being in the basement all day. I'm not sure what transferable skills are coming from that. Uh, What are you, what's your opinion on that? Mm -hmm. Are you of the camp that, you know, kids should just be allowed to, to play all day? You know, that's a personal question because I'm sure yeah, you've got is. kids that might be playing video games. But, you know, for me as a parent, you know, I'm sure uh, I would, you know, allow them to do what they wish to a certain extent. But at the same time, I am kind of in the camp of, you know, if somebody's sitting behind a computer all day, what real world transferable skills sure. are they getting? So, sure. you know, what's because that's a big crit- critique of the industry. It so is, what's, yeah. what's your thought on that? It is. Well, one thing I would say right off is um, this is another element that really attracted us to Gen G. So it's been interesting to hear and listen to the way, right, that they um, maybe recruit or pursue players to play competitively. Because as they've done that within different leagues they're involved in, health and wellness is at the top of the list. I think education's one element, right, because many times they're bringing young people into these games. Um, young players tend to be the best performers in, in many of these most competitive, most popular competitive titles, young Esports athletes, right? 
Um, right now we have the Gingy Tigers living here at UK, right? They're competing from, from our uh, eSports lounge and they're uh, practicing on a daily basis. Um, you know, they're, they're all early 20s uh, and they're from all over the United States and, and how they've kind of come together to form this team. They, uh, one of the, the first things they asked when they said, we'd love to come to Lexington, can we, can we make this work on UK's campus, uh, was where are your rec centers? Do you have them? Can we get into them? And they're in the rec center on a regular basis throughout the week. So I do think in some ways the, the, the uh, stereotypes of the, just the gamer with the Mountain Dew, eating the chips, sitting down in the basement with no windows. I, I, while I do think that happens, and I can say I have a couple kids that, that sometimes tend to do that, I don't think it's as much of uh, the stereotype that fits the broader gaming community today. I think there are a lot of different types of, of people that are gaming, maybe even for hours during a day or hours throughout the week, but they're doing it uh, in more and more ways through these communities because the games are connected. Mm-hmm. And I think if I look back to, I mean, I'm, I'm in my mid forties. So if I look back 20 years ago and the way that my parents would have viewed gaming in the mid nineties, well, you know, flash forward, right? We were never connected to anybody when we were playing games. It was me and my brother in the room and that was the Nintendo or right. That was the super Nintendo today these young people are playing games early on and they're playing in community. And I think uh, one of the things that I've seen in just talking and surveying a lot of different people, um, both here and then abroad, as we've gotten to know people around the world, hearing their stories, hearing these opportunities of, of young people that feel connected to the game because of those communities and because of the relationships they're forming. I do think there is there are elements there to to really lean into. So I think you've got to be wary of anything where you're sedentary for 10, 12 hours a day. And but at the same time, I think those opportunities are uh, are really distinctive for people to feel a sense of belonging and involvement in something that previously, you know, years ago wouldn't have been available. I used to spend, uh, you know, hours on some Saturdays or Sundays when my family didn't have anything going on. I I would spend the whole day. Yeah. like playing video games with my friends and I would get home after school and play with my friends. And we had, you know, clans on Call of Duty. I mean, it was a social. You're right. Absolutely. It was 100% social. We had better friendships because we could go to school and hang out and then hang out within the context of our own home sure. playing this very competitive video game. Uh, and it was a blast. I mean, we still, I mean, I'm 25 and we, I was doing that when I was eighth grade, freshman year of high school through junior year of high school. And we talk about it all the time because yep. that's just how fun it was. And I haven't been able to play, you know, since. Uh, but those were, you know, those are like the, some of the days you look back on as a child. And, you know, that's just like a really fun time in, in life when you're able to do that with your friends. Yeah. The life of an entrepreneur doesn't leave a lot of time to just go do 10 hours of gaming I don't have, in a day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Gaming. Yeah. And I don't have any, I don't want, you know, I don't have time for Netflix or anything like that. I, yeah. Understood. I, you know, I miss yeah, it. It's, I do miss it. it. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a fun way to bond. Um, one of, one of the best examples of this that we've gotten to witness um, we haven't had anything to do with this, but we've been able to witness it through relationships is getting to know the team at the uh, Kentucky High School Athletic Association, uh, Joanne Golia and uh, Rob Ketron and a few of the folks there that have kind of helped to bring esports into that organization. So the KHSAA in Kentucky, we were one of the first five states to have esports as a part of their other sports. So they offer football, they offer you know, girls basketball, softball, a bunch of different sports, right? And they play championships in those sports. Well, a couple of years ago, they started doing it for esports. Now, uh, goes I back remember a, that. a few yeah. years. Yeah, got some headlines. That was cool. Very cool. Yeah. And 
you know, I, they they would do better with the stats than I will. I don't want to butcher them. But what I what I what I can say for certain is they have seen participation from young people that weren't participating in anything else, anything else that was offered. And, and let's be honest, that's important. There are a lot of sports, right? I mean, we're we're talking about right archery or bowling. It's not like they're only offering a handful of sports. KHSAA provides a lot, similar to the way the NCAA provides a lot of sports, right? So sport, there are plenty of sports out there for people to jump into, but oftentimes it's just not their thing, right? They might do it, but they don't necessarily want to do it competitively. On the, on the gaming side, as these young people want to pursue more competitive playing and as they want to enter into an esports, the opportunity to have that within your high school, right, is pretty compelling. And so Bringing those students into the into that environment, giving them that opportunity. Maybe they get some coaching. Maybe they get access to some technology they don't have at home. Uh, we were talking earlier about PC gaming. Is the is the gaming? I mean, it it, it it's PC gaming is very uh, is very popular in the industry. It's also very expensive. Oh, yeah. uh, gaming PCs, right, can run in the thousands of dollars for one. If you add in the monitor and all the horsepower that you want to have, well, the opportunity to have that maybe in your high school where you've got some staff in that school that care enough about you to put their time into it, probably not getting paid, but they want to do it right to serve their students. And it's been neat to hear those stories of more and more students participating in that. I think that will continue to grow. And I know we're just starting to see some of those students, right, come on our campus and starting to ask about opportunities to be involved. Yeah. And going off the back of that, what do you see the role of universities being in esports now that it's kind of coming in high school, is it going to be the traditional path like what you would see with other sports where you, you play and you make a name for yourself and then you can play for a college team? Recruited. Yeah. Is what that, does that look like? Yeah. Is that what yeah. you see it going to the future? Kind of looking like recruiting like you would think of with college basketball or is it going to be completely different? I think there are going to be a lot of hybrids. I think there are going to be a lot of – and that, that that's not necessarily the best answer, right? It would be great if I could just say it's going to be just like this. Mm-hmm. It's going to, we're going to have March Madness in 10 years. I honestly don't believe it's going to be that simple. And one of the reasons I say that, and we talked a little bit about these games. We talked about Blizzard, Activision Blizzard. You mentioned Fortnite Epic. We talked about Riot. That's just a couple, right? There are a lot of publishers out there, and there are a number of games. Uh, Psyonix was running strong with uh, the Rocket League game, and then they've kind of come under the umbrella now of Epic and are working right more under their uh, Epic's invested in them and and gotten really involved in that Rocket League esport and wanting to build that up. But the difference from March Madness and college basketball is that in each of these games, the publishers get to decide, right? So so in UK's case, we could roll a ball out there and say we want to go get a league. And this was happening what a hundred years ago, right? When some when the leagues like the SEC were forming. We want to play basketball, we want to play college basketball, roll the ball out. Nobody can tell us, right, that we can't play with a basketball. So you start forming these leagues and teams grow and they come from essentially rec teams, which is what most of the SEC schools were, you know, 100 years ago to today. These are, you know, in UK's case, we're the blue chip, right? We're the standard bear. Well, in, in the case of, of Riot with League of Legends, that's their IP. They, they control the, the ball per se, right? Hmm. So. I do think um, I do think colleges are are going to pursue this. I think there will be uh, certainly successes um, in teams that right excel and win tournaments and win competitions. But I think what we're seeing in in these early days, first handful of years where this has has really been happening at the college level, is we're seeing a lot of different tournaments, we're seeing a lot of different people that see an opportunity to create a tournament. Maybe they go work with the publisher, they set it up, 
And all of a sudden they're the official. There just happen to be five or six officials on a given tournament, right? We're the, we're the championship. We're the championship. So the lack, that lack of aggregation, which I don't think is going to get solved anytime in the, the very near future, uh, is going to lead to, I think, a lot of fragmentation. And so I don't, that's not all bad. That just means students get more tournaments to compete in. They get more terms, maybe go win some prizes in. That's all great, but it doesn't lend itself to being what March Madness is today, right? With an, I mean, there's not another March Madness. There's not another college basketball tournament that brings in, what is it today, 68 teams or how many they're bringing in right now, probably eventually bring in over 120 teams at some point where it's a battle, right? And every year you know it's going to happen, and it dominates the audience's attention. It dominates the airwaves. I think esports is is a ways from that. We've seen a quite a bit, a, quite a few schools that we've gotten to engage with, that are doing really impressive things with their competitive teams. They're pouring into these young people. They're helping them uh, grow in the game. They're also helping them in their health and wellness and other things we've talked about here. Uh, that's really awesome. We are looking at the population of of more of the twenty five thousand undergrads and a little bit less of maybe the. 25 to 50 to 75 competitive players on just specific teams. So again, we, we're going we're gonna to be doing the competitive. We're going to be helping our students have those opportunities. But when we talk about where our, our resources are really aligned, it's more on that broader community of listening to that student population and offering more opportunities for them to experience this in a variety of different ways. Yeah, and that leads into kind of this final question. We always like ending on a forward-looking statement. Mm -hmm. You know, give us your vision for where you want to see UK take this esports program, whether it's helping kids find careers in esports or this competition or kind of continuing what you're saying there. What's your overall vision for where you want to see this go? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, the, the, the first thing that we really want to see happen, right, is we want to see community formed. So I do think that starts with our students because – they're great at it. Um, but I, I also think in a community like what we have in Lexington and some of what even just exists in the state and the way that, that UK can be can serve in that flagship role, this is a really great chance to bring together people from a lot of different walks of life, right? And to get more and more engagement across that community that where the students are involved in putting on events and participating in events, right? And maybe bringing in young people to participate in certain events, but also offering coaching or offering tutorials. So I think we as staff, right, we want to help that community start to, to grow and mature. I think that is, is very, very important. We also want to give students more and more opportunities to use these creative skills that they have and to take those creative still, skills and use them in their, in their educational pursuits, but also use them, right, as they uh, want, want that release, want that opportunity, right, to maybe step away from the grind of the classroom that's keeping them up at night, right? And they're so focused on uh, their pursuits in undergrad, or maybe it's even in graduate school. How can this, right, be opportunities for them to plug in those, those creative uh, abilities, the capacity they have for that, which I'm finding more and more students come with that desire. They're just looking for a place to plug it in. We want to obviously give them more opportunities to do that. So I would, uh, one of the, one of the ways I, I, typically answer this type of question is I say, with the, the faculty that we have at UK, with some really smart and talented people we have, one of the things we would love to see happen through that creation is more and more of right our academic uh, areas find co-curricular opportunities where students that might be in a specific program can still work right across the aisle with students and other programs, 
to come up with ideas, right? And that might be that might be something that's hobby within the esports program, right? They show up and they say, we've got this idea. We want to create an event. We want to create a, a gaming conference. We want to talk about these topics. But it also might be um, just the opportunities to network and build relationships across those curriculum that leads you right to a stronger LinkedIn profile as you start to step into what might be your first career out of college, your first job. So I do think there's a lot of networking that comes out of all of this. And that word create, that ability to have a lot of different opportunities for students to experience what it means to create, to use their skills to build or be a part of something, I think is is something that the gaming uh, culture and esports in, in certain respects can offer. Yeah, and I think that's something that we're just going to see you know, society as a whole move closer to as artificial intelligence and automation yeah. starts to take over more as more content creation, more creativity. And then, you know, this common thread of community and interconnectedness, that's a potential, that's a huge strength yes. of esports because you can be connected to somebody all the way across the world. Yes. And allowing that to happen on a college campus where these great ideas kind of breed naturally anyway, yep. just seems like the perfect storm for a really special program. Yeah. So we're really proud to see that UK is, is leading the way on that. Um, but thank you so much for coming in here and talking with us about this. Before we let you go, is there anywhere that our listeners can go to learn more about the esports program, or if they want to check it out, how can they how can they do that? Yeah, the the probably the most convenient way right now is we we do have a website. So if you Google it, you'll 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 find it. You you know type in UK esports, you're you're bound to to get it. Uh, our website's uky.edu/esports. Nice. Pretty easy. So that's a place. But um, I would also tell any of your listeners or people that just want to getting a better understanding of what we're doing. And also, and I find this a lot, have ideas, right? They say, oh, well, what about this? Have y'all thought about this? To to get on the site and just look us up and find us. Um, I'm easy. I'm easy to find on campus. My email address is hp at uky.edu. So it's short. And we want to be, right, we want people to reach out and, and ask, like you guys have done. This has been a phenomenal just opportunity to get to talk about it and really appreciate it. But we want more people to just reach out and ask and, and because as that happens, we're learning a lot more from the community. We're continuing to kind of broaden that idea of what we are offering right now, what we can offer. And then, you know, the, this, this space is evolving so quickly that we have no doubt we'll be doing some different things in 18 to 24 months. And we're looking forward to that. We want the community to kind of push us and challenge us to do that. Awesome. Well, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much, Heath, for coming in here and talking to us. And good luck as you guys continue to scale up this program. Thanks. Appreciate it.